Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, this morning we are in the second part of our foundational series and just looking at this idea of that our foundation is found in Christ. And there is a finding part to it. That is why we hope to help you to to grow in knowing God better and in trusting him more because there's a process to you discovering all that you got when you received Jesus. You got everything you need, according to, to Peter, for life and godliness. But there's a place where we usually start out where we understand that we needed a savior. Jesus is that savior, and we're so grateful for that. But that is just just the beginning, that everything we need for life and godliness, everything we need is found in Christ. If you got your Bible app open, you got your um, notes going there, we're going to, we've jumped off with this scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, Paul writes and he says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Jesus is the mystery of God revealed and in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, with Jesus, we get a treasure And in that treasure is further treasure. It's treasure within treasure. And so we're thankful for Jesus the Savior, but when we get Jesus the Savior, we get Jesus the healer, we get Jesus wisdom, we we get Jesus the empower, we get Jesus everything that we need for life and godliness. And I love that the scriptures use this word treasure. Because this is kind of a a little bit of a trigger word for us on on many levels in in beautiful ways. The word treasure all by itself has, of course, you know, has this connotation of value. It has, it inspires our imaginations. It, It gets us excited and all those things. And then also, thanks to film and books, it also has this element of danger to it. That somehow there is this place of adventure but also this place of risk connected to it. And this word treasure has been this for us. For this, this book was, these, these words were written thousands of years ago. And it impacted them like it impacts us. Treasure is exciting. When Paul writes this and says all the treasures are hidden in Christ, the Holy Spirit was using that trigger word, using that on purpose to light our fire and get us to say, you know what? If there's treasure found in Christ, this is kind of cool. It's not, oh, there is endless information found in Christ. Yawn. You know, that there's no, then Jesus does have plenty of understanding for us. But this word that, that fires us up and gets us going, it's on, it gets us rolling on purpose. It gets us excited and gets us looking for things and And this treasure has this connotation of when you find it, you get everything you've ever wanted. When you find the treasure, 
You get everything you've ever wanted because if it's not in the treasure itself, well, then you can use some of the treasure to get what was missing. But the truth is, is with the treasure of Christ, there is nothing missing. It gets everything you have ever wanted. In fact, he goes on to present this, that this idea, these, these shadowy things that we have desired, they're actually found in Christ. He goes on in, chapter, in verse 17, it says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And this is a reference to the Old Old Testament system of Hebraic Jewish worship, that all of those things, they were a shadow. They were drawing them in and saying, what's going on around there? And it's, it's that kind of concept that we see in the movies that, that, you know, that somebody's standing down an alleyway and they see a street and then just walks out and the shadow fills the, fills the sidewalk. You know, who is the shadow? Do I go? Do I dare look? Do I go and peek around the corner? Or is it the person I've been looking for? It's, it's them. And you run to the deal and see the reality of what it was. The shadow was, was a trigger. But what we want is, is the reality we want, well, and that is found fully in Christ. And when we understand that our foundation is found, that we have to do some places of discovery and looking we see that Jesus honestly led us in this direction. He taught us this. This isn't something that just Paul writes as a believer, writing to other believers. This is something that Jesus taught. And he gave us this principle that you can joyfully spend all you have when you get everything you didn't have. You can joyfully spend it all to get more than all. And so let's look at what Jesus taught in Matthew 13, 44 says the kingdom is hev of heaven is like. It's like this. It's, a, it's bigger than we can put into words. And so I'm going to create a word picture is what Jesus is saying. He's like, I'm going to try to help you get an aspect of it. The kingdom of heaven, it goes beyond human comprehension. But it's for you. And I need you to be able to connect with it. So he has all of these likes. He has all of these, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And when you begin to put all of them together, you begin to get a fuller picture of it. But this puzzle piece right here, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like this guy who discovers everything I own. I would give up everything I own to discover this and to be able to own this and be able to have this. I would give it all up. That that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. See, the truth is, is he's willing to give up all that he owns to be able to get this filled with the treasure in it. Because he could never, ever afford the treasure, but he could afford the field. Now, the field wasn't cheap. It cost him everything he had. But he was able to get something he could never afford on his own. Now, before we get stumbled up on what feels like maybe a little ethical issue here, okay, this feels a little squishy. You're like, Jesus feels like he's kind of teaching us to do kind of like a 
kind of be a little underhanded here. That the kingdom of heaven is like pulling a fast one on somebody who's got a treasure they don't know they've got. No, that's not what he's remotely teaching at all. First off, there was, from a Hebrew perspective, there was nothing remotely unethical in this story. Their little triggers are not going off like our little triggers are going off. First off, there's rabbinical teaching that said that scattered fruit or monies found by someone belonged to the finder, okay? So this idea that as he's talking to these Hebrew people, that this guy finds a treasure, that it, that it says there that it, it could certainly freely be his. Now, what does the guy do in here? He, he could have, he's found it. If he was unethical, then he just goes, I'm gone. I'm out of here. If he was unethical, he finds the treasure and he bolts. He goes over and he begins to spend it and enjoy it somewhere else, but he doesn't do that. He puts it back where he found it, where if it belonged to the landowner, where the landowner would come and find it. And then he goes into the landowner and says, you know what? I like that field. Name your price. The price gets named, and it's going to take everything he owns. He's going to have to liquidate everything he owns to be able to do it. And he's like, bam, I'm there. This gives the guy, if it's the landowner's treasure, it gives the landowner opportunity to be able to retrieve his own treasure. But then once he owns it, he owns it. Free and clear, he owns it. Now, this seems kind of a weird thing to us because we'd stick our valuables in a safe deposit box or we would stick our, our stuff in a bank and those kinds of things. But this was super common. You have to remember that there in, in the area around Jerusalem, it has forever been a hotbed of war. It has forever been. And as war, people of war come in, they begin to dominate and they begin to plunder and they take take treasures away. So one of the safest things that you could possibly have done in that day and age was to stick that in the ground. Because then if an invading army comes in, they ransack your house to take everything of value, but they didn't know about what was of real value. So this was a common thing there. And this could have been treasure from who knows when. This has been happening for centuries in this space. And then he goes, and of course, he sells everything and and he buys it. And so the landowner leaves it there. So the land, it wasn't the landowner. He didn't know about it. So this guy is, in the rabbinical teaching, is the finder, rightly to be able to have this treasure. Went through all the right things, bought the land, paid the ultimate price to be able to have this. There's nothing weirdly unethical about this. We feel like in our culture that you'd stumble upon it, somebody's land, you go to, hey, buddy, look what you had on your land. But it was a space where the way that society worked on that front, that was, it was not a an, an crazy thing. And so what we do see here is that this guy has to go through this process that he goes through and he sells everything he has to be able to raise some money. Whatever was the equivalent of eBay or Facebook Marketplace. I don't know if he had a big garage sale. I don't know how he did it, but he had to go through and liquidate everything he had. And I want you to think about 
the process of finding something that was of incredible value. And yes, there's the challenge of going through and emptying your bank account, okay? And you do have an emotional connection to, the, to that, those digits, right? You know, you pull out the app and they're unexpectedly up and woohoo, that's good. And then you pull out the app and it's lower than you thought and you're like, what kind of fraud has been going on here? Oh my, that's me. <laughs> I swindled myself. I didn't realize I swiped my card that many times. I'm gonna turn myself in. And, uh, and so, but man, there's an emotional connection to it, of course. There's an emotional connection to taking your resources and going to be able to do something to it and seeing that depleted. But understand that the scriptures talk about over and over again this idea of, of inheritance and the concept of taking and him selling everything. Think about going through your home and liquidating everything. Going and liquidating your furniture. Liquidating your dishes. Liquidating all of the stuff. As I was going through that process in my mind, I have the, have the, uh, the wonderful privilege of having my grandmother here in the uh, sanctuary with us this morning. And so my grand, so it was cool to see my grandmother hold my grandchild yesterday. That is a cool thing. And so, but me walking through this process, the first uh, big boy firearm I owned was given to me by my grandmother. It was her uh, 30-30, lever action 30-30, and I cherished that lever action 30-30. And I was thinking about this guy going through liquidating everything he had. Then for me to live this out, then it's me taking this 30-30, this gift from my grandmother that at some point within I had hopes of it passing it on to one of my children and this, this thing being in the family and saying, you know what, I have found something that exceeds value even in this space, that this is gonna be more of a blessing down the line, that I can take this and I can, I can make this trade. See, he had to go through every piece of his life and say, is this piece of my life worth the treasure? Is this memory, is this moment, is this piece of inheritance, is this thing that I'm emotionally attached to, is it worth the treasure? And that's the picture of lordship for us. If we're going to be able, the kingdom of heaven is like somebody finding a great treasure. Yes, Jesus is it. But the question is, you're only going to be able to live in the fullness of what it has is if you're willing to give everything. Are you willing to give everything? Or are you willing to be able to fully invite him into every piece of your life? Every aspect of your life. He sold his candlesticks. He sold his, his, sold his extra sandals. He hawked his wife's Louis Vuitton. You know, there was a fight right there. He's like, what kind of treasure is this? He said, went through and got and had and sold everything. And in the process of walking up to that landowner, having his 
sack of loot and looking back and seeing, I've got nothing else, said he joyfully handed it over. It wasn't a little, ah, ah, maybe I could get it back. Maybe I can knock on my neighbor's doors. Maybe I can undo this deal. No, he joyfully handed it over. He was excited about the trade because the treasure far exceeded anything else he could try to craft together, weave together, and create on his own. The treasure exceeded it. And so it was without reservation. It was joyfully did it. And when we begin to understand the fullness of, the, of what we have in Christ, that is when we begin to live on that level that we're like, all right, God, I want to invite you fully into every space. Yes, I give you this. Yes, I give you that. Yes, I want you to be master of this. Yes, I want you to be master of that because I understand what I get in return. I get this treasure that exceeds goes on and just to back that up, he tells it immediately rolls into another parable in verse 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. The first guy stumbles upon it. First guy stumbles upon it. Second guy's out hunting, but both find, okay? Some of you may have stumbled in to a relationship with God. Somebody you love, somebody you care about said, I want to do this church thing. And all of a sudden you get dragged along and all, and then it begins to, oh my goodness, this is, this is legit. This Jesus thing is legit. Or maybe you're here because you're hungry. Maybe you've been searching. Maybe you understood that there's something on the inside of you has told you Man, there is something of value out there. There's something worth more than what I've been scrounging and scraping my life away to, to, to live and to accomplish. There's something bigger. And whether you, are got, you stumbled into it or you've been, you've been purposely seeking, both find the treasure. And it says, in the, I was a merchant looking for pearls. And, and when he found one of great value, he didn't say, oh, I'll take it. Nope, he wasn't ready. He wasn't quite ready to make that move. So it says he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. The first guy was a laborer in somebody else's field. He's not part of the aristocracy. He's not part of the merchant class. He's just a laborer, somebody digging around for whatever reason in another person's field. But this guy, this guy's a merchant. This guy's got a pocket of loot. He's looking, he's looking for pearls. He's out there looking for these things of value. He's got some stuff in his pocket to, to trade. And whether it was the one who felt like they had nothing to lose, I'm just a person digging in another person's field or somebody who feel like they're kind of on top of it and they're the, they're the one with got everything to lose. The smartest thing either one of them could do is take what you have and trade it. Take what you have and trade it. Guess what it costs both of them? Everything. It costs both everything. 
And there's this place where tragically in our lives, we hear stories over and over again where somebody hits rock bottom and finally begins to say yes to Jesus. And you know what? And Jesus says, you know what? It's going to cost you everything to fully live this out. And sadly, sometimes we have to get to where we feel like we have nothing. So we trade our nothing for his everything. And guess what? God will do that trade, and he has over and over again. But how tragic is it to, be, to have to dip to that place? He'll meet you there. But he actually has a desire to say, you know what? You can actually track through and life be fairly good in other people's minds. And you say, you know what? I want to go from glory to glory. I want to take the next step. And you know what? And now all of a sudden, so many times we go, well, you know what? Now I've got too much to lose. And guess what? As soon as we hang on, try to hang on to it ourselves, we have it to lose. But when we give it into his hands, we can't lose it. It's, we, and, but it's going to cost the same either way. See, the love of God leads us to give what we have to get all that he has. Whatever we have, the love of God leads us to give it to be able to get all that he has. We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, and Jesus has this encounter with what a lot of people call the rich young ruler. And this guy is not being tested by Jesus. He's, honestly, he's giving insider information. Jesus has, had already talked about this principle. You find something of value, give it all. And let's go ahead and let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. This is significant in this culture. Wealthy people don't run. There's this place where this guy gets down on his knees. It's a place of, of honor and a place of service. He's this good teacher. He asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do? He's got the right question. He's got the right thing on his, on his brain. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, no No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. All these I've kept since I was a boy. I've done this my whole life. This guy has been raised in a good home. His parents taught him the right things when he was a boy. This guy did not have the the hard, difficult life. This was the the teacher's pet. This was the, the cardigan kid in your class that just did everything right, blew the curve for everybody. The smart kid, the well-behaved kid, he's the one who's got all of this together, all this I've done since I was a boy. He's lived a solid life. He's, he's headed in the right direction. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. He didn't look at him and say, sure you did. Sure you did. Nope. Just looked at him and loved him. He says one thing. One thing you like, just one thing. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, 
and you'll have treasure in heaven. You'll have treasure. He's not putting it in code. He's laying it out. He says, and then come follow me. This guy gets the exact same call as Peter did, as John and James did, as Levi did. He gets the same call, come follow me, come follow me. And and, and, and those guys left their nets, dropped them where they were, and went. This guy could have been part of the disciples, part of the apostles. He gets the same call. Didn't go through the hard knocks, didn't have all of that, but it's still going to cost him everything. And it says, and at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was just given the opportunity to follow God incarnate. And he got held up over what was in his pockets, what was in his bank account, what was in his treasure. He was offered the real treasure, treasure with Jesus, treasure in heaven. It's not a code. He's not being tested. He's given the cheat code. He said, come on, do this with me. Mm. It's going to cost me everything. I don't know. See, when we find the treasure, when we find it, we've got to be willing to, to move forward. We've got to be willing to act. There's going to be a place as we move forward in discipleship, whether it is in, in, in a place with your, with your own life, with your own things. You're like, God, I want you to be God here, but I, I, I'm going to hang on to this myself. That's going to be your holdup point. God, I can have my own relationship with you, but bringing you into the fullness of my family, uh, I'm uncomfortable with that. My spouse, my spouse isn't quite into this yet. Can I just kind of be like a little more quiet about this? Can I just kind of do this with just us? I don't know that I can like risk my marriage. I can't risk my friends. They've been in my life since, you know, since junior high. I can't, I can't risk my friends. I can't risk those things. But trust me with all of it. Trust me with all of it. Philippians 1.21, Paul did not just flippantly say these things. He lived them out himself. Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then later in Philippians chapter 3, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul lived this out. It's like I, 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 anything that may have been for personal gain to me, I, I call it garbage. And I just, I want to just give my life fully, fully to God. But see, there's a place where sometimes when we, we recognize that, that the master has, has maybe entrusted us and given us some responsibility can be intimidating. And there's another parable found in Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. And you have this, this, this guy who's going to go away and he gives some bags of gold. 
five to one guy and two to another and one to another and trust them with it. And the guy with five, you know, doubles his and the guy with two doubles his and the guy with one probably saw the five and saw the two and it's like, well, this is a lot. He's got a lot of confidence in them. Here's this. Man, you know what? I just can't, I can't afford to lose this. I can't afford to lose this. And so in verse 18, it says, but, but the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, we already know from this other parable, this isn't a foolproof plan. What if somebody else is digging along and comes along a bag of gold? It says, hey, buddy, what do you want for your land? Guess what that landowner doesn't know is there? A bag of gold. Because some dude stuck it in the ground who's freaked out. This isn't a foolproof plan. We already know this. It ends up working out for the dude. It doesn't go away. He digs it up and he gives it back. But even that was a problem because he should have put it to some kind of use. He was so afraid of loss. In fact, let's see the dialogue we have in verse 25. It says, I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. See, trying to just hang on to it, trying to go into preservation mode doesn't win. It doesn't win. It wasn't as safe as he thought it was, and he still missed out on the increase. And when we, all this is done, Jesus is actually our model for this because he gave everything to buy your field to be your treasure. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You and I are created from the elements, from the dust of the earth. We're just dust. We're just dirt that God breathed life into. And then in Paul reminds the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, you're not your own, you were bought with a price. You're a field bought at a price. You are. You are a field that God spied from heaven and said it's worth heaven's best. Talk about a pearl of great price. The, the, the scriptures say that, that the, the interest to heaven is one huge giant pearl. Let's pry that off its hinges. Let's send that down. Maybe we can get humanity for that. Nope. Let's pry up the pavements and the bricks. Let's throw that down. Maybe, maybe we can make a difference in humanity for that. Nope. The only thing that's going to make a difference for humanity is God himself. That's the only thing. And so Hebrews 12, 2 reminds us this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here we have Jesus joyfully 
joyfully paying all for a field. Exactly the parable he told us. The kingdom of heaven is like. Why? Because that's how heaven got you. Because Jesus paid all joyfully for a field. How do we know this? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, these earthen vessels, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not for us. We have this treasure. We have this relationship, this wonder, the truth of who God is and what he's accomplished for us in Christ. We have it in our earthen regular old dirt jars of clay so that it can show off his glory and his goodness. What was the real value of that field in the parable? Was it the value of the field or is the value of the treasure? What's your real value? Is it the value you see on the surface or is it the treasure that exists in you because of Jesus? That is the real value. See, our bottom line today is this, that we are his treasure, he is our treasure, and in him is treasure. That is the truth. That is what he is wanting to reveal and want us to grow into. If he was willing to give everything to buy your field to be your treasure, then little by little, moment by moment, selling all isn't an instantaneous transaction. I love that this doesn't say he just, it was all in his, he had to sell everything. He had, it's moment, transaction by transaction. Maybe you're still in some transactions. Maybe you're still breaking some things loose. Maybe you're still going, can I really trust him with this? Is this really worth it? And I'm here to tell you it is. Whatever is the holdup, that is the place where you're robbing treasure from yourself. Whatever you're trying to hang on to, whatever you're not letting God fully be Lord of, you're robbing treasure for yourself. It's not worth it. The exchange is better. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.